look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, Faisal. How about you? Woo, what a weird week. Uh, weird in what sense? Well, now, after COVID, now we've got these, what, these hornets that are going to kill us and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. They, what do they call them? The murderer, the, mur- murder hornets or mur- murder bees or something? Yeah. But if they have good good lawyers, they could probably get down to like a misdemeanor. <laughs> Stop it. Or manslaughter bees. Oh, jeez. That was a good joke. Come on. That was good. You worked on too long for that to be your punchline. Three days to know. figure that one out. Um, <laughs> yeah. D- don't, don't, turn, don't turn the dial. We got better, we be- got better material than that. I got it. <laughs> that was you. good. Yeah, listen. We're going to talk. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about uh, geopolitics. And, you know, we get lots of questions about all the money that's being printed. What does that mean? Yeah. What does it mean from a debt repayment? What does it mean from a geopolitical order? Where do we, all these questions. Yeah, right? who's going to survive? If you're yeah. going to be pumping all this money and you have all this debt, who's going to survive? Who's not? What should you do with your, with your, your money in retirement? And we're going to have a special guest on, that, on our show for that. That's going to be a great one. Yeah, it'll be a, a terrific two-piece. You want to stick around. And where does Canada fit in the big political order? Yeah. Right? Longer term. Correct. You want to stick around and, and, and hear his comments on that. Um, Okay, let's. You and I often talk a little bit about the markets and whatnot. I want to talk about uh, sort of the experience I've been having over the past number of weeks, maybe a month. Okay, okay? because there's a common theme, and, and we talked about it at our conference call uh, with our clients um, earlier this week. And it's this notion: there's there's a difference between how people emotionally internalize, internalize crises, and I'm not just talking about this one. Okay, I'll give you some examples. Yeah. Okay. Versus the logic of it, right? And it's the rational that, side. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So this is a bit of maybe down to behavioral finance. And let me give you a sense of sort of conversations. Um, when we're talking about the most recent crisis, right? And you've had lots of uh, conversations about this. And as a listener, think about the kinds of things you're talking about, right? It's this is different. It's unique. And each of these big crises are unique. But mm-hmm. think about the language you were using in 2008 in that crisis. Mm-hmm. Think about the tech wreck. Mm-hmm. We never had that before. Think about 9-11. Boy, we'd never experienced anything like that before in, on North American soil. Yeah. And I could keep going. So each of these crises, the language is the same. The, oh, my gosh, we've never faced this before. And emotionally, here's where I fear, feel people go. They go to this place of the extinction level event. Correct. We've never seen this before. It's over. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> now, when I use the term, and I intentionally have done that, extinction level event logically when you hear that people say well no right it's and this one is a health crisis as well as a short-term financial crisis so you know you you could be interpreting that as a boy the human race is done because of the virus i'm really talking about it's an extinction level event for the economy each and every major crisis it always feels the same correct so what i've said is we've had multiple crises they're all, the big ones are all unique and different, right? Yeah. We feel this horrible sense of doom when we go through it. How do you get control in an environment like that? How do you, that, how, that's, that's the hardest part right. because th- this is something you can't control. Right. You can't control, the only thing you can't control is, is isolating yourself. Yeah. 
right? That's the only thing you can control right now. Right. You can't control what happens in the markets. You can't control with the whole curve yet. You can't right. control when the economy opens up, what's going to happen to oil. Like everything that's being thrown at you right now, you have no control. Right. So how do you gain control on that? Yeah, so it, it, it's interesting. You have to look at, and I'll ask you a question. I'll pause for a minute as, as it as it sinks in for people. So we've gone through, I've gone through all these crises. Okay, today's crisis that we're in, the Great Recession, the, um, the 9-11, the tech wreck, all of these different issues that we've faced. Mm -hmm. What's the commonality? What's the common theme amongst all of those very different crises? Just think about that for a second. The answer is that we survive it. Okay? Yeah. So let me go back to this really sort of stark comment of, of, of the emotional feeling of, of the extinction level event. It's over. There's, you know, we've shut the economy down. It's never restarting. It's just that kind of extreme bookend that we go to emotionally, okay? Yeah. Well, if that were the case, then everything we're talking about today doesn't matter anyways, right? It's over. Correct. But more than likely, okay, the high probability is that with every one of these other crises, that we will figure out a solution to it, and there will be an economy to come back to. Absolutely. In what form, shape, uh, we don't it's know. It's going to be different. Right. Things that came from 2008 are different today. Correct. Like, just the technology has changed. Well, crisis is a catalyst for change every time. Every time. Every time. Okay. But if we get back to this idea that the common theme, the, co the only common element of all of these crises is that we recover, now... We drill it down to one basic element, time. Yeah. Now we're negotiating time. Yes. Right? And we have done some research, and, um, uh, and, and you can do this, but if you want to start to gain control and figure out opportunities and so on and so forth, just go back and do the research yeah. on time, recovery periods, what did it look like? against all of those different crises over the past 50 years. Take it. That's right. Okay? And you start to get an idea of... The ranges. The ranges, exactly. How long or how short of a time does it take to recover? Right. And most people are that get that panic don't realize that things do recover. Now, I'm not saying buy, hold, and hope that it all works right. out over the long term. Right. There needs to be strategy and being selective within that strategy. And right we'll, we'll get more into detail about that. But it does recover. The question is, can you handle the time frame that it recovers? Let's give the worst case scenario. Since 1970, On, we did the research no. on the markets. Mm -hmm. And we looked at when there's been a drop of 30% or more. It can take, on the high end, about 505 days. Not about. It took 505 days to fall. Exactly, 505. Yeah. Perfect. Down to 51%, and then from 30, down to 50, and then back up to recovery. And then back to recovery. That's about, let's call it a year and a half? A year and a half. Okay. So you know that it takes a year and a half just to break even. Start at the peak, fall, come right back up to the peak, a year and a half. That's the longest that we've seen since 1970. Mm-hmm. So do you have that kind of time frame? Because there's been people who've called me who listen to this show, listen, are listeners of this radio station, and say, Faisal, my, re my entire retirement right. is messed up because the markets have fallen 35%. Right. Okay, so first of all, it's structure. Right. Second of all, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, if you lost one-third, that means you cashed out. 
then you've actually had a full impairment. But if you haven't cashed out, then what's the strategy from there? Right. Because things will recover. <clears throat> right. And and you get asked questions um, probably in this a lot more than I do about cash, right? Should you yeah. be holding big positions of cash? Yeah. And and I, I don't want necessarily to go into the, the market timing conversation, but what's really important is, um, is again, when we say minus 35, you're talking about the S&P 500. Correct. And the other issue I think that people need to get away from is generalizations. And yeah. even even the kind of questions we had from our from client base when we were doing the when we were doing our conference call, it was generalizations. And so we've not we've we, we really pushed on this idea of selectivity. Yeah. Right? That you think about this in an environment like today, this crisis has created change. It's created opportunity. And there's themes that are benefiting, but businesses that are doing better than they've ever done before. Ever done before. In the middle of this pandemic and crisis. Absolutely. And I think it's really important that people take a step back, take control of those emotions by using some framework, get some, get some facts in front of you, look at what it actually means, and then look at the themes. There's lots of ways to navigate these And that's things. why we built the five-pillar investment strategy approach for our growth investments. That, that, that you are not stuck with something. There's, right. there's a strategy within five pillars right. that you can work within so you, that you can profit and protect. And that's where strategy comes into play. Right. Selective uh, approach to your investments, very important. Not just buy, hold, and hope it works out. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, um, so I, I think we've said enough about that. We've got a really um, a really interesting show coming up here because we want to talk about the geopolitics, get lots of questions about all the money printing and everything else. And th and the reality is is that there's there are different countries that will um, that have different rights and privileges in this global order, and the debt that's being printed and so on and so forth will will be very different amongst different countries. So, where is what does the political order look like coming out of this? And where does Canada fit? Yeah. Right? We're going to talk about that. Now, we have to make sense of all this stuff, right? We have to have a strategy to help people get through the next 35 years, not just the next 18 months. And let's, uh, you know, let's remind everybody our, our next upcoming uh, webinar. Yeah, this strategy session and webinar will be on Tuesday, May 19th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com. The U.S. has printed, call it $3.5 trillion of new capital right now. How does that affect your long-term retirement? Let's talk about that after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, and we're going to talk about money today, buddy, because they're printing a lot of it, and we got a lot of questions about it. Yeah, you, if you look at not just what our government in Canada has done, but let's pick on the Americans because they yep. went fast. Yep, aggressive. They went aggressive. Yep. They threw out a lot of money and people are worried about what's what's the overall cost of this. Yeah, is it going to work? What's the long-term impact? There's a ton of questions. And we've got a terrific guest to help us understand some of the implications of that. Uh Peter Zion has uh, been with us before. He's a uh, a geopolitical expert. Peter, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to be back. Well, let's just maybe start with a big open-ended question for you. So we give you a bit of a uh you know, a wind up there. There's trillions of dollars that the U.S. government has printed and, and then add to it the rest of the world. Lots of money here. I'd love to get just a bit of an overview uh, from your perspective of what's happening in regards to the money that's being pumped into the economy. Sure. Let me provide just 30 seconds of backstory here. The United States created the global order in order to fight the Cold War. But because it was basically a bribe to get other countries to join our side, we never invested our economy in it which meant that the United States became the global currency, not just because it was the largest economy, 
but because it didn't care what happened with trade day to day. And that means everyone everywhere has always used the U.S. dollar as a store of value because you don't have to worry about the U.S. overly manipulating it. Uh, no other currency in the world can claim that and give the United States certain advantages. Now, what the U.S. has done in the last six weeks is about $3.5 trillion of deficit spending to bail out its own system, to do recovery, to do stimulus. That's in addition to what the Federal Reserve has done in expanding the money supply. Mm-hmm. Um, of that $3.5 trillion, the Federal Reserve has only actually had to monetize about a third of that debt. The rest of it is foreign money, for the most part, flooded into the United States to find any haven. And right now, the U.S. dollar is the only game in town. Yeah, now that does give them some, uh, I guess, a unique position and some privileges from a currency perspective that, uh, you know, other countries don't have. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, Peter, sorry, I thought you had a comment there. I am am curious about um, the implications of this. So there's, there's... Lots of debt being created, uh, whether it's held by the U.S. itself or foreign governments. We're creating lots and lots and lots of debt and spending. So maybe let's start with, are we done with the amount of spending, either fiscally or monetarily? Uh, well, let me ask you that question. Are we done yet, or is there more to come? Uh, there's definitely a lot more to come, certainly south of the border for you guys. Uh, the United States is going to be doing at least another trillion and a half within the next two months and probably some more as it becomes apparent that the COVID situation is not over. Then we will have our industrial bailouts for things like airlines and manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And then we will have an additional program in order to reshore manufacturing from the East Asian Rim to North America. So all of that's going to be paid for this year. And that assumes that when this COVID stuff is under control, that we have a hard stop. Uh, honestly, I think we've kind of broken the seal now, and there's a lot of pie-in-the-sky programs, whether it's the Green New Deal or universal, universal basic income or a new carrier class, uh, that are all going to be lining up. And honestly, the fiscal conservatives are no longer part of the American political le- uh, landscape. Right. So, yeah, there's a lot more coming. All right. So, and that's just the United States, but let's stick with the U.S. for yeah. a little bit. So what's the ramifications of all this pumping of money? I understand that they're the basic reserve currency of the world. But at some point, does it not have to cause a problem and impact something in the future? And and if so, what would it be? (laughs) I I hear you completely. Uh, (laughs) Let me kind of give you what the picture is globally here. Um, Starting back in the 1960s and 1970s, the developed world went through a huge urbanization boost. And as people started living in smaller quarters, they started having fewer kids, so the birth rate went down. That process spread to the developing world in the 1990s with the end of the Cold War. And so we have had uh, a slow-motion population collapse going on pretty much everywhere in the world except the United States and France and New Zealand, now going on for 50 years. Mm -hmm. Well, what that means is that for most of the world, developing and developed, uh, in the next decade, we were facing a mass retirement situation anyway. So this model that we have been following for 500 years, ever since the Columbus expeditions, of larger markets, greater populations, more interconnectivity, greater financial activity, greater technological change, all of it was going to unwind in the 2020s anyway. COVID has put that kind of into fast forward, but it means that how we think about money and how we think about finance and how we think about debt was about to experience a sectoral shift regardless. 
And the one significant economy where that is not true is the United States. So if you're going to think about debt and capital and value and rates of return Mm -hmm. in any sort of way that we think of as normal, there is only one country you can be in. Add in that that's the reserve currency, add in that that's the economic and military superpower, and there's really not not even a discussion to have about other options because other options are ultimately not based on consumption or rule of law or store of value. So for all the things that we think we know about finance, there's only one country that's going to be playing by those rules within the next few years, and that's the U.S., what just take that thought a little bit further than what um, what role threat or opportunity does a country like China play? Uh, you know, as an American, I, I get asked this a lot. I'm really not worried. Uh, China has one of the most terminal demographies out there because of the one child policy and their trade policy is ultimately dependent upon the global order holding up. And if the United States is no longer holding up the global order, China has to fall back on its own druthers. And because of one child, it doesn't have any. So China is not going to exist as a unified country a decade from now. The question is just how fast and how spectacularly does it implode? And Chinese history is rich with examples of how it can all go horribly wrong in a very short period of time. Uh, so China's big role for the next decade, honestly, is going to be a source of capital flight. Uh, we've already seen it hit record levels and multiple times whenever the Chinese do try to liberalize their currency regime. And as they start having problems with manufacturing supply chains in the, in the wake of COVID, I expect that to accelerate considerably. Peter, with the concept of universal income, universal health care in the United States, as Canadians, we're comfortable with the concept of universal health care to some degree. Is that sure. going to cause a bigger problem out there? And will that is that something that the, the world should be aware of? I would like to think that the United States will take this opportunity. You know, the, the healthcare scare of COVID certainly makes a case that we need to change our healthcare system here substantially. Uh, I would like to think that we will take advantage of that and have an open, honest national conversation and debate over the topic. Instead, uh, the the leading voices on the topic just want to do Medicare for all. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Medicare up there, mm-hmm. uh, but Medicare here is the most expensive, least effective, lowest quality care option available. And the idea of taking that program and expanding it by a factor of eight, so it covers all Americans, would just be a massive, colossal waste of money. We can afford it, especially in this environment with all the capital flight coming here. But that would not be my first, second, third, or fourth thousandth choice. Uh, I like what you guys do up there when it comes to basic care. I like what we do down here when it comes to chronic and acute care. I'd love to see a hybridized system, but I don't see that being part of the political landscape right now. Okay. Uh, Listen, we're going to have to take a quick break here uh, for a minute, Peter. But when we come back, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about Canada-specific and and what you see for our country, some of the unique challenges and opportunities uh, that we may have. So uh, I encourage everybody to stick around for that. But before we take a break, Basil, we have got to, uh, we've got to talk about our upcoming uh, webinar and, you know, how within this new order, this global order, where do you invest? How do you take advantage of this? How do you support your retirement in Canada? Okay. Doesn't mean you have to be invested in Canada, but in Canada for a lifetime. Right? That's right. We're going to discuss all that on Tuesday, May 19th, 7 p.m. live online. You need to go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. 
That's moretheonmoneyradio.com to register. Stick around after the break, and we'll figure out where, where and how Canada fits in this new global order. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here on 770 CHQR and More Than Money with Dave and Faisal. We've been talking a little bit about uh, all the money that's being Ooh. created you know, as a result of the pandemic and uh, its effects in different countries and different geographies around the world. Uh, Peter Zion's uh, with us. He's a geopolitical expert we've had on before. And, uh, Peter, in the previous segment, you shared with us a little bit about that global order and perhaps um, you know where the U.S. has positioned its currency and so on and so forth, which makes it uh, unique uh, and perhaps privileged in, in this uh, global economy. Now, Canada is not in the same boat. So uh, very interested to just start with a big, fat, open-ended question about your thoughts on Canada uh, and risks and opportunities that you see. Well, let me start with the negative and then let's go to the positive. Um, looking at Justin Trudeau these days, you definitely get the feeling of somebody who's uh, a deer caught in headlights. <laughs> that, that's not because of a lack of leadership on his part or a lack of competence when it comes to his cabinet. That's just the circumstances. It has been driven home since his first election that Canada is not an independent player in international affairs because that requires a global system. If there is no global system, if the Americans are no longer playing that role, Canada only has one thing to worry about, and that's America. And he has gone out of his way to appear as innocuous to President Trump as he possibly can. That's probably the best path forward. And under COVID, it means that Trudeau has no choice but to basically watch these ridiculous Trump uh, conferences every day about how the United States is going to deal with COVID and try to find a way to navigate through the mess. Uh, it's not a job I would want right now, but whoever was prime minister of Canada, that is absolutely what they would have to do. That's the international side. China doesn't matter. Japan doesn't matter. Europe doesn't matter. Only the United States matters. And that is now sunk in, uh, in Ottawa. Uh, internally, uh, COVID has knocked roughly one-third of global oil demand offline. Mm -hmm. And the single most important long-term income stream for the federal government is taxes on oil sales and transfer payments out of Alberta, which has gone to zero. So the financial situation that Canada has been in for several years, which was fairly positive, is just imploding right now. And a year from now, I expect absolutely drastic debt issuances and drastic budget shortfalls uh, for, for Confederation. Uh, how Canada determines, with, how, how Canada deals with that, how Canada changes its social security systems, its healthcare systems, its redistribution systems will tell us exactly what sort of country Canada will be for the next several decades. Because if Canada cannot manage that, then some degree of breakup is probably inevitable because Canada cannot afford its current setup without Alberta, and Alberta is now completely offline. And if Canada cannot find a way to make Alberta function five years from now, uh, then Alberta has no reason to stay. Uh, so transferring you... from Alberta in these circumstances is just a nightmare. Yeah. So that, that's kind of the long and the short of it. Well, that was rosy. So let's go into the, uh, let's get into some of the details. Uh, of course, you're speaking to an Alberta audience here. And your thoughts, comments on the federal response to, uh, to the oil industry so far uh, and where you think that they, you know, the federal government may have to go in order to protect the, you know, the, 
whatever it is, 10 or 12% on a first derivative basis of the economy, which is oil and gas? Well, it's, it's 10 to 12% on the first derivative, but yeah, that's assume, remember that everything else kind of spills from yeah. that. It's much yeah. more important than that number makes it sound. The, the number that Kenny is asking for, $30 billion of loans, I think that is very conservative considering the scale the, of the problem. The, the biggest challenge and honestly, the biggest opportunity is Alberta is going to have to shut down almost completely. I, I expect 80 to 85% shut-ins just because of cost structure. Uh, and that's before you figure out things like um, infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Luckily, any part of the oil sands that is mined as opposed to produced in situ, uh, you can just shut it down and you can come back to it. You just have to make sure that you preserve the personnel and, and the, uh, the functional organizational structure. Uh, it's not like um, a well in Venezuela where it, 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 you shut it down, it's never coming back online. Uh, and that means you have a lot more flexibility in Alberta over the long run, but it does mean that you need to almost go to zero in the short run. And how Kenny and Trudeau work out a deal on that or not will determine exactly what happens with this industry moving forward and exactly what happens with Canada. This is the point that the decision is made on Canada's future. I don't know that the rest of Canada fully appreciates you know, how significant. They'll uh, understand in less than a year. Yeah. Because when the money is simply not there it's anymore, gone. people are going to wonder why. So let's let's shift this over to the audience that listens to this show are generally your 50-plus approaching or living in retirement. Uh, many of them are from Alberta. They're worried about not only the Alberta economy in Canada, but they're worried about their retirement. What are some of the things that sure. people need to be aware of Let's go over the next 10, 15 years throughout their retirement, maybe even 25 years out if you want to go that far. And what are retirees or, or close to retire, retirees need to worry about going forward? Well, the, the real big date is 2022. 2022 is the year that the majority of the baby boomer generation across the developed world reaches retirement, yeah. which means that right now they're shoving every dime they can into their retirement savings. And that is pushing down the cost of capital, which is pushing down returns on capital. And that's independent of COVID. So the next three years of investment returns are going to be wretched. That's just the nature of the beast, especially with the fear and everybody going into UST bills, which are probably going to be uh, the 10 years, probably going to be negative later this month. Uh, that's just where we are. However, if you can hold off past 2022 before you retire, will be in an environment where a lot of the retiree or a lot of the boomers have moved into retirement, which means that the availability of capital will plummet, which means that the cost of capital will go up, which means that the return on capital will go up. There's, there's nothing about the next three years when it comes to retirement that looks friendly. But after that, the world will be in an abject, chronic, probably permanent capital shortage. And in that environment, if you do have some capital accrued, you should be able to get some pretty impressive returns. The question is where you're going to invest it. Now, the United States have already spoken to. I don't want to beat that horse any longer. It's going to not go anywhere. Uh, and anything you can do to invest in the NAFTA economy writ large would be great. Uh, the Mexicans don't really have a stock or a bond market. Most of that investment is indirect, but it's still worth looking at. In the wider world, You've got to look at the countries that are going to seal trade deals with the United States so it can still be part of that system. 
Korea and Japan have already done that. The United Kingdom will probably have one later this year. So those are economies I'd be willing to look at a little bit more. Beyond that, however, keep in mind a couple of things. In a world without a global order, there will be spheres of influence. You'll have a southern, you'll have an Argentine zone and a Turkish zone and a French zone, for example. But getting capital to and from those zones might be a little nerve-wracking. And outside of those zones, something that we always seem to forget is in the world before the global order, it was the destiny of almost all markets to eventually go to zero. So to have a global order style retirement program means you have to keep your money in a political and economic network that you are actually involved in. Canada has the advantage of being part of North America. Most other countries don't. Yeah. Okay. So that's an, that's an interesting way that you broke it down. Um, Peter, you put it to the 2022. I don't think people are really spending too much time thinking about that kind of stuff. And then what happens after and the capital flows and those nations that are, I guess, some of the darlings that you should look at and some of the areas that you should kind of stay away from. So I'm, I'm glad that you, you broke it down that way. That gives a lot of thought for individuals to think about um, where and how they should be handling their capital. Yeah, and there's a common theme here. Uh, and Peter, again, I think you've made it uh, abundantly clear that selectivity is going to be very important. Absolutely. You've got to be very selective uh, given the current environment and where you believe that current environment is going to go. And I, and I think that's an absolutely critical message, one that we were talking a lot about in our most recent uh, client conference call. Peter, we have to leave it there. I want to thank you, as always, uh, for sharing uh, your thoughts, future-gazing a bit for us, and, and helping us sort of frame where we are today and some of the challenges and opportunities going forward. My pleasure. You guys take care. You too. I'm joined by Peter Zion, geopolitical expert. Um, let's try to make some sense of all this, my friend, because um, that notion of selectivity, right, is going to be a critical component, we believe, going forward in how to invest, how to protect that retirement income that you need, all, you know, all of those elements, things that people are worried about. Yeah, and we're going to break down how you actually do this so you can enjoy your retirement way past 2022. Right. Way past that. We're going to discuss that on Tuesday, May 19th, 7 p.m. online, live but you need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Yeah, and stick around if you're interested in some tips on uh, how to take control of your financial future. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Good afternoon. You're back with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, I think this was a really interesting show uh, so far. So if you remember what Peter just talked about with, with where Canada could be, how... We, they've been dependent on Alberta. We're not, we're not part of the, the, the reserve currency of the world and right. all these different things that are going on. Yeah. In this province, Dave, there have been many people who've lost jobs. And I'm not talking because of COVID. Mm -hmm. I'm just talking about where the economy has been in this province. And there are many Albertans mm -hmm. who've lost jobs in later parts of their careers. Right. We're talking 50 years of age and older. Right. And now comes a time where they're like, well, I had all these plans of retirement. I have all these, these goals and dreams that I had. And now I'm, I'm in a big change in my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting a lot of calls about this right now. Yeah, you are. Yeah, it's been interesting to sort of debrief on, on the feeling that, that we have in this province. 
and and, and there are economic realities too. Thursday yeah. and Friday with all the calls that I got, and it was quite a bit. And it, I've been saying it's time for some tough love. It's time to actually say, here are your financial tips that you need for your future. Mm-hmm. And some people don't think of it in that perspective, mm-hmm. or some people don't just need to hear it from somebody else like us. Mm-hmm. But this is the time we have to get real. And so I'm going I'm to shift the tone a little bit because I don't want this to be, to be negative. Tough, tough love is right, and I know the conversations yeah. you've had. But I want to tie it to this notion, this theme that we've been running with over the past um, three or four weeks about the gift of time. Yeah. Right? So we are in this unique situation. So on the one hand, people have lost jobs, and this is going back to 2014, and more people have been affected with this pandemic. Many will be temporary. Some will be permanent again. Right? Sure. Okay. Um, so the tough love piece is that the, the job, the career that you may have just exited, by choice or not, may not be the one you go back to. Right? It may not be, that job might not be there for you. That's scary. Right. So when you have the gift of time, right. what time provides you is the control, the ability to control your, your future. Right. And now you have to look at your situation and say, what do I want to take control over? Right. And this is the opportunity. This is the opportunity. It's also the scary part. Right. So there's, you know how we talk about behavioral finance all the time, an anchor to the past. Yeah. I owned a stock that dropped. Yep. Okay. Uh, should I sell that position? The problem is we anchor to what we bought it at, not what it's at now and what its future prospect looks like. Correct. It's the same thing, right? In every aspect of our life. Absolutely. That it's not a finance I had, I had a great job in downtown Calgary paying me six figures. That yeah. thing's gone now. Right. Now what do I do? Right. And I'm too young to retire, Dave. See, that's the point. That's the question right there. You're, you've still got something to give to contribute, okay? And you might have 10 years. But my job that I had, that I trained for... Not there. Where's the gift here? Yeah. Where's the gift of time? So now we have to do a fresh look. Right. It's kind of like some spring cleaning going on. What do you have to take out? What, what, what can't you do anymore? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that the energy industry is gone forever. Right. But what I am saying is the energy industry is going to be different mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. And if it's going to be different, then how do you either participate or control your future with other options that are out there? Yep. And now's the time to take a look at that. Look at your own fiscal home. Let, figure out what's going on in your own uh, situation yep. financially. Yep. What kind of lifestyle do you have? What kind of income that you have? This is the same thing we do with a company. Yeah. When we look at a company, this is a good company, but there's something going wrong here. Right. The first thing we look at is management. Right. Are they managing the business properly? On a go-forward basis, On right? Go Are they forward. fixing it? Right. Do they have if a strategy a problem, and a plan right. to fix it? And this is where you find opportunity in oh, financial markets. There's correct. a problem that can be fixed and in the future is going to be much more valuable. Correct. Right. So why, is, is why don't we have that for our own families? Right. The second one is revenue. Mm-hmm. If you do not have income right now, or you're on the CERB program by yeah. the federal government, EI, whatever it may be, and you know the clock is ticking. You only have a little bit of time left before those benefits cut off. What's the plan? Yep. You need to be willing to look at all avenues of revenue so you can maintain the business we call the family. Right. And even if you don't need the money, Faisal, 
even if you don't, because there's lots of people that, but they're too young to be not doing something. You need to be engaged. You need to be engaged in something. And we see that too often, right? And that's so challenging. Right. And so when it comes time to people who are too young to retire, either they have the money to be financially independent, live off their savings, but need to contribute, or they don't have enough and they need to save more. Either or, you now have the time to get the control the way you want it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's scary. I think it's really important. Again, you know, at the top of the hour, we were talking a little bit about how to take control of a situation that where most of the elements are largely out of control. And it's the same process I think we're talking about, right? We recognize, and we've been there, everybody's been in a situation where you're thrown this curveball. Yep. And uh, it just shook the pillars of, you know, the foundation of whatever it is you were thinking about or wanted to experience and you need to reset. And that's the first step. Yeah. Right. You got to reset. Um, who knows what the future holds in, in oil and gas uh, and what it looks like in the future. Like you said, I agree. It's going to be different. Um, but that's not that's maybe not the only thing that you can do. And I, th- I think you step back, you reset, you think about it, you think about it. Uh, all of those opportunities that you wanted to pursue yep. that maybe you didn't, right? You're working every day. Now now use the gift of time to think about it. And I don't and I say the gift of time knowing that it can be scary. Yeah. Right. I don't mean it to sound all a cheery and whatnot. There's lots of steps people have to go through in order to fix it. Yep. Right? But we can fix it. The one thing I want to add to that though is although we have time to think, mm-hmm. we right. are running out of time, so we need to act. You need to act, yeah. And that is the hardest thing. Sometimes people are in paralysis by analysis yes. and do not act. Right. And now's the time to act. Now's the time to explore your options. Now's the time to inquire about them. Act on them. Mm-hmm. Because this is going to change. Mm-hmm. Like Peter was talking about, there's a new global world order coming up. Right. It's going to be different. It will be different. Um, anyways, it's, um, there are opportunities. And I think again, part of what I wanted to, to take to this show, because all the news is always negative, right? Is, is a positive to it. And we're not trying in doing it. I'm not trying to make light of, of, of difficult situations that people are facing. Yeah. There are solutions to this. Right. Absolutely. For every single family in this province, there are solutions to the problem. We just have to take a step back, think about it figure out some options and then and explore them and then act on them. Right. And you'll see the, the, the results be what you never expected you could do. Yeah, see, that's really cool. And and you and I have been through various things in, in our personalized business lives and everything else. And yep. one of the things I've, I've always uh, said, and this has been a bit of an anchor or help for me when I go through uh, different challenges and changes that maybe I wasn't prepared for, is when we use the word different, it often takes on a negative connotation. Correct. Right. Different doesn't mean worse. Yeah. It just means different. Correct. Right? And I think that helped me. I'm not saying it helps everybody. It helped me when I went through different periods where I could step back and say, okay, it's going to be different going forward. Uh, This doesn't feel so good, this part of it. Okay, there's opportunity over here. And then time, right? You need a bit of time to get down that path. So action, okay, is important because it doesn't happen tomorrow. It takes a series of takes steps. Some time. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Enough about that. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening to that. I think it's really important. Yep. Let's talk about our upcoming uh, webinar. So, how do you put action into your retirement plan? How do you make sure you bulletproof that retirement? 
We're going to discuss that on Tuesday, May 19th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register by going to morethanmoneyradio.com. So to register, go to morethanmoneyradio.com. We look forward to all of the um, really interesting questions um, that are that are often very specific to what people are feeling, yep. right? Those are really interesting. That Q&A period is often very interesting. Okay, look forward to talking to you on May 19th. Uh, let's wrap up another show. I think that was really interesting. Hopefully we provided a bit of framework and context to regaining control. We look forward to talking to you next week here on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.